Hello everyone and welcome to this webinar today. I'm Francis Healy from Global Net 21 and Info Voices and this is one of the many webinars we do where we talk about important issues and where people are trying to make a, a difference either locally or nationally or even globally as well. And today we're going to look at a micro project which when it's replicated becomes more than micro, it becomes a big project, it can help people all over the world and it's called the little free pantry and we've got three people to talk about it today not one three today um, we've got jessica mcclard who's from the usa and they started it all over there and she'll tell us about that we've got laura mackey who's from south end and she's got several going there to tell us about that and we've got uh, maria lee who's from chelmsford and she will tell us about that as well so you know thank you all three of you for joining us i mean it's great that um you're here and um, can we start, Maria, by asking you about the Little Pantry? You, you started it recently. And having done that, just tell us what you, you think the Little Pantry is. Little Pantry is a very interesting project. When you call the project, it's a really very big one. But this is very, very small to you can start with, which is you only need a box in front of your house or in front of any buildings which I got the, this information from Facebook. And then when I started the, looking for the, some project, which I don't want to make a very huge big things, but at the time in my one of the context, we really need to help some other people, but I don't want to make a very huge big thing. But uh, when I saw this Facebook about Little Free Pantry, I really ran. <laughs> to Jessica to email to her, what is it? Can I use it from America? That's how we started from the Little Free Pantry. Okay, and Jessica, um, you know, the question that she asked you is, what is it? Well, tell us, what is the Free Pantry? How did you get the idea? The Little Free Pantry uh, kind of in its original conception was a box on a post. Uh, available to anyone, anytime, no questions asked, containing food and uh, personal care, paper products, again, available uh, to anyone, anytime, supplied by neighbors. Uh, so the, the um, idea for the project kind of came about as a result of a few things that were influencing me uh, around the time. Um, I had watched as the Little Free Library movement had really picked up steam in my hometown of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, I am a, a, a lover of reading, uh, so I think perhaps I was paying particular attention to these little spaces as potentially providing some new reading material. Um, there was one along a route that I uh, frequently drove. Then there was another, and before long, there were two or three within easy walking distance of my home, which um, at the time was in a very middle-class neighborhood. So Little Free Library does a very good job at accomplishing its mis mission um, of providing reading material in places where access is a problem and uh, promoting literacy, but this was resonating in all sorts of contexts, um, not just low-income neighborhoods. These were uh, going in everywhere. Around the same time, I read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point about a viral phen phenomenon. 
And I kind of recognized that this concept was tipping right in front of my, my eyes. And so I think I really started to think about what was going on in that space, which seemed to have as much to do with our desire to reconnect with our neighbors as it did with literacy. And if it really was about this desire for reconnection and neighborliness, then anything might go inside, it, inside of it. Okay. My home state, Arkansas, is uh, perpetually one of the top two most food insecure states in, in the entire country. Um, and even though I live in a place that is uh, relatively affluent compared to the, the state as a whole, there is still just a lot of food insecurity. Uh, so I think once I started thinking about the concept in, in, in those terms, uh, I uh, knew what I was going to do with it. Okay, well, it's quite interesting that you got the idea from the, the free library because quite a few comments said, this idea is like the free library, I like mm -hmm. it. And, and that's where you got it from. Mm -hmm. And Lara, where did you get it from? And where did you go? And how did you set it up? <laughs> well, the, the little free library is actually the segue into... It was the gateway for me to um, access the Little Free Country um, movement. I had, uh, I was actually waiting for one to be built, a Little Free Library to be built for me, um, so that I could host the Little Free Library. And I joined up with the Little Free Library sort of uh, Facebook group. Um, and all of a sudden, this video pops up, and it's the right, the, right in the early stages. Um, of Jessica and the, the the kind of right at the outset of, of when she started the Little Free Pantry project. Um, I had previously worked, at, uh, volunteered at a food bank a few streets away and I know the, um, I know how much poverty there is in Southend. You know, I know what the, 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 the needs are um, for the people here. And I'd actually had to stop um, volunteering there due to my health and I just suddenly thought to myself that's what I can do because I felt there was there was there was something I always knew that there was something that I that I was waiting for something that I could do to contribute to make a contribution to my community and having had the recent experience volunteering at the food bank and the simplicity putting a cupboard outside your house and 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 other people filling it with food it's 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 just so simple but is it um i mean what's the difference uh, laura between a food bank you said you worked on it and the pantry idea the the difference is with food banks you need to get a voucher and not everybody qualifies for a voucher. And the beauty of, of, of the Little Free Pantry um, movement is that it's completely judgment free. With so much food insecurity around, um, and I'm gonna jump a bit ahead and, and kind of bring it into context. They meet a need, you know, somebody might turn up in a BMW, for example, but they might have just had a, a, a £4,000 vet's bill, you know, and they can't, they, you know, they're, they're, they've run out of something. We are not the people to judge who, what, the need, who's, what their need is. Somebody might have mobility problems. There's a need. 
it's judgment free. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it's a great idea. And, and Jessica, it's an idea which began in America and we're talking about it, we're talking now about it, you know, being replicated in the UK, but it's becoming a worldwide movement, isn't it? That's right. Uh, I uh, kind of will um, just do a quick rundown of the movement news just about every day. I read about a new project launching um, today in the Netherlands. Uh, it's rooted fairly well uh, in the Netherlands and in a few uh, countries in, in Europe, but especially well in New Zealand and Australia and increasingly in South Asia. I think early on in, uh, during the pandemic, I read about something like uh, 50 projects that went up within a couple of weeks in Bangkok. Uh, so I think that um, you know, this is something that can be uh, done uh, relatively quickly and, and respond to a need um, relatively quickly. And I think um, because of the pandemic, that's exactly what we're seeing in lots of places. Okay, and um, so it's happening all over the world. Uh, and that's, 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 that's interesting to know, but it's happening in Chelmsford. And Maria, can you tell us, I mean, you're involved with the church. This isn't a church project only, is it? It's something that anyone could do, but the church has wanted to be involved. Mm -hmm. That's correct, because when I first started, we got a community cafe team who worked with, very closely with a local food bank. But somehow food bank had to move their facilities from our, one of the place. So which means we got a team and we got a still needs in the community but we didn't know there where to start. That's so we started to looking around the, this project, Little Free Pantry. As uh, Jessica said, that's really easy to access, easy to start with as well. However, because of this, the team involved, we need new format about it. That's why I need some permission by Jessica. So that's why I emailed her, but she said, no, you don't need any permission by me, whatever. You don't need to pay about using logos whatsoever. But she gave me say that, give what you can, take what you need. That I need to only follow that one. However, when I look at my one of the context, if you say give what you can, that context doesn't really make sense because they always really needed one. So we changed the phrase, start with take what you need and give what you can. So again, this project, you can manage it or you can design for whatever you need in your local areas as well. Okay, so, you know, maybe Jessica, you can tell us because you, you started it, you got it going. I mean, are they based anywhere? Is it a question of volunteers offering? Do you get in touch with people? Do they come to you? And how do people know they're there? How do they access it? How do you get the word out? So people do come to me, I think probably because of SEO, really more than anything. Um, uh, I have a fairly large social media following uh, for the Little Free Pantry. So I think when people hear about the concept and they just Google it, a lot of times I'm the first place that they kind of land. Um, but that's absolutely not required. Uh, there is no organizational structure around Little Free Pantry, which increasingly I refer to as the mini pantry movement because it goes by a lot of different names. 
there are blessing boxes and free tiny pantries and uh, karma closets. I mean, this, this goes by many, many different names. Um, in turning the, the idea loose into communities, it really allows for, uh, I guess, uh, adapting the, con uh, the concept to local context, branding, ownership, all of those kinds of things. And then what happens is once a mini pantry moves into a new market, the person who stewards that project really becomes uh, kind of the resource for others who want to follow suit in that area. So in doing that allows the information to get out a lot faster. And really um, those who live in a place are in the best position to talk about what the project is like in that place um, because conditions on the ground are different and uh, as Laura can probably uh, attest and increasingly Maria, um, projects that are located a mile apart are different. So uh, those who are doing the work are really uh, the, the best uh, folks to talk with about the work. I am always happy to talk with, with anyone who wants to do this or try to, to connect people who may be in a similar context, but that's absolutely not necessary. The concept is just free for anyone to adapt in whatever way uh, best uh, kind of fulfills their vision and meets their community's need. Okay, well, maybe I can ask you this, Laura. We've, we've had a lot of comments saying this is a fantastic idea, but they wanna know, you know, what sort of things get put in the, the little pantry. Is it just food? Is it anything else? Can it be rubbish? How do you monitor it? And people have said, you can't do it in our area. People would just go in and steal things. Um, I mean, how do you respond to that sort of pessimistic view of what the pantry might be? Um, I think going to the first point of what do people put in, um, I would say that more or less, I mean, it, initially Jessica's guidance to me was non-perishables. Um, that was that was the original idea, but we've actually, Southend is actually what's known as a transition town and there's a lot of permaculture um, people here and people grow a lot of their own food. So. Quite often I find that um, we might have a surplus, somebody might have a surplus of something and they'll come and leave it here as well. Um, I myself actually have, have, have put my surplus of apples from my tree out. And so, you know, more or less, you know, I generally tend to, to make sure that it's, it's non-perishable goods. And I do have a look through if people have put stuff up that's, that doesn't necessarily look like it's just come from the shop. And I will have a look at the dates because people do. But at the end of the day, it's, it's somebody's doing something kind. And it's up to us as the hosts of the pantries to monitor that as best we can. Um, in terms of your point about um, it being, um, what was it you said, the, so it was the more pessimistic view, I'm actually quite philosophical about it in so much as that it's not, for the host it's not for us to determine what that person's need is it's supposed to be judgment free their may their need may be a psychological and emotional need they might have such severe food insecurity that they don't know if they're going to be able to get something next week so they take everything now 
it's not for us to judge. And I, I, I found that a really interesting journey to go on when considering these, um, considering these factors. I know Jessica and I've, I've had a conversation about um, the first time I encountered something like this. And, and we talked about various different options and, and I've got to say, Jessica, thank, I, I will always say thank you so much for your encouragement and, and the way that you've, you've tried to help me kind of look at things and look at alternatives. But um, more, of, uh, more, more than anything, I think the, the point of, you know, somebody might, want to, might say, well, should we lock it at night or should we do this or should we do that? Should we make it, should we close it up? And it's, it kind of defeats the object because there's so much um, stigma around accessing things that are for free. Uh, and this is why the, the Little Free Library works so well next to the Little Free Pantry or inside, one inside the other because it helps to break down that stigma. And if it's yeah. shut, then people aren't gonna be able to access it. Okay, so I, I understand the principle of open access, but Maria, when you started it, didn't that frighten you? Didn't you think, uh, my gosh, you know, someone's gonna get something, it's gonna make the mill, I'm gonna be in trouble, what do I do, do I need insurance? How did you get over that fear that you, you might do more harm than good and, and, and you need to monitor it? Because when you do, when you know your community, that's the first thing is really scared and afraid because you know them really well. For example, one of my community, they first initial thought was that people will use that one as a drug, drug box and they will demolish it. So when we first started, we just put up the pantry for two weeks, put, didn't put anything in it. But during the two weeks, nothing happened, which is really surprised the people. And over the one year now, we had a two vandalism happened, but both of them, we know the guy who has got emotional problems. So he needs to get rid of the, his emotion, not necessarily to break the pantry away. But during this pandemic again, People may thinking, oh, nobody wants to touch that one because all the coronavirus will be there, anything. However, no, people do more carefully to working together to put things carefully. When you put it out something, they just word of mouth to say that you need to wash your hands. That is the best way away from the COVID-19. So, so pantry became is really source of the lots of the information boxes as well. So Definitely, I understand the community will have a really afraid about to the not trusting each other, but always say to the team, we have to trust the community first. Otherwise, they never be trusted after. That's my first initial thought from it. Okay, well, obviously, it's, it's based upon a, a, a sort of trusting philosophy, which is, which is really quite important. Um, so, Jessica, if someone wanted to start a pantry, um, or they wanted to start a, a series of them, or if they wanted to put one outside of their house, how would they start it? Um, and what support would they get? And where would they get it from? From what I have seen, the central um, problem to solve associated with these is location. So if someone already has a location 
in mind and the property owner associated with that location is given the go ahead, from there it's really quite easy. Um, again, location seems to be kind of the central hurdle that potential stewards need to overcome. I, uh, from what I've seen, tend to um, think that locations that are um, privately owned, but in some way publicly operated work the best. So businesses, uh, nonprofits, churches, schools, places like that, mostly because those um, places provide some privacy buffer and in a commuter culture, ample parking. Um, these will increase traffic to your area. So to kind of head off any neighbor complaints about either of those things, a more publicly operated space works well. That said, it can also work well in somebody's neighborhood. I just recommend that your neighbors be on board with it prior because this is all about being a good neighbor. Um, from there, I think rather than trying to um, kind of um, follow a model, what works best is just to call on one's existing resources, whether that's in terms of, of human uh, resources or um, you know, marketing resources, whatever it is that a person has access to, um, and kind of marshalling that um, to the cause. I think when someone tries to step out too far outside of what, um, what, what is their norm, it doesn't tend to go as well. We want this, it's a small space for one thing. It should be a, a relatively easy to implement and um, you know, even a project that folks find joy in. If we're trying to make this into a nonprofit um, that, that, you know, where you need staff and all of that kind of thing, it just does not work very well. So I think, you know, work with your friends, work with your uh, work colleagues, your church, people that you know, and then um, do what you do well. You, you do it that way. And, and, and that's, that's interesting to know um, and the, the sort of support you can get. But Laura, I guess the first step is putting your toe in the water for the first time. I mean, how did you do that? And then once you got it going, did that make it easier to replicate once people knew what it was? Um, I think when I was first sort of looking into it, I contacted Jessica um, and, and, and basically more or less said, um, said to me, it, is, it can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. Um, and it's something that I've said, I think I'm sure I said that to you, Maria, you know, we can, we can just leave the box there and, you know, put a few things into it and expect our community to kind of, I suppose, by osmosis, work out how it works. I mean, what I, I, I took it on a little bit further because there wasn't any little free pantries in the UK when I started. So nobody knew anything about it. So I launched a Facebook, a Facebook page and, and I told members of my local community about it. Um, and then I had to um, just try and spread the word like that, really, just to start with. And within a month, I'd actually had an inquiry from someone else, literally a mile away from me, 
who wanted to set up their own little free pantry and it's worked fantastically because now the because of the 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 momentum that it's taken over here um we sort of we have access to very small amounts of funding um so that we can either you know raise money for a new pantry um or um you know if we know that we're going to get a big need during the holidays because we have um something called holiday hunger um here quite often which is where the children are at home that would normally be free school meals um and they're you know having to fund the they're having to fund those extra meals i mean thankfully the marcus rashford has been on board with that and and tried to get the the free school meals vouchers but that's only going to be for so long so then we raise money and so it can be as simple as you like or as complex as you like okay um but i also guess i mean listening to you talking is you've established a network of uh, self-help haven't you to help each other so maria you're beginning to help melanie and enfield now aren't you who's wanting to start one here i mean how did she get in touch with you and how what sort of help can you give her in a network sort of way because from Lara's point, she started from very small, from her local area, by using her idea to move into the more different agency working together, which is different approach to that one. So when I met with uh, the Enfield, different communities there and different agencies, we, you need one mindset. Why do you need that one? And how you can do it? Because when you're working with multi-agencies, they got different aims on it. But Little Free Pantry, you have to make a blend it down to the one project. So for example, what, what I learned from the one of projects, what, what I did, I just asking them to sitting down together and think about what is the best to represent of the, like a symbol of this Little Free Pantry. So, we made one different kind of the symbol of it and then they found it as a butterfly because they want to see the community change from transforming from the one object to the others so we made this uh, this one which is uh, some butterfly together so this is represent of the literary pantry as well as for the whole different agency working together for the community through the literary pantry. So you need the one object to or but, one but, mindset. But, but in the case of um, sort of Enfield, was it a case of them learning about it from you, getting in touch with you, or what happened? Again, there's a really first stage at this point. So the various location they got really worried about where to put it. And again, about they're afraid if they damaged, who will be responsible from it as well. But again, you don't have to worry about too much. I mentioned to my team, you need to be ready to make another, the pantry, maybe 10 of them. That's we need to be ready for it. If it's any breakdown, don't worry, just do it. And uh, about the, the main issue about uh, storage, who to storage for that one, who to care for that one. But you need agreement between the different agencies to, together. Lara, you've got something to say, aren't you? Okay, Lara. Um, 
well, the, the, there's a big coincidence, and there's 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 something um, someone in the middle of Maria and myself, mm. and that is actually Melanie Smith at the Enfield Project. Melanie was actually um, one of uh, she she's actually one she was actually one of the pastors at the local United Reform Church um, here when I actually first started the Little Free Pantry here. And we were actually at, um, we've known each other for quite some time, and we actually were at a community microfunding event together. She was actually putting in a bid for the microfunding for a charity that, that she was, uh, she was uh, on the committee for. And I was, um, I was actually pitching for the Little Free Pantry. Um, so we actually already knew each other and it was something that she was interested in, um, you know, right from the outset. She'd actually seen the whole thing start and we'd worked together sharing food when Melanie was actually at the church over this way. So it was something that she was already aware of. Okay, I mean, I, I, I gather she was aware of, aware of it and I know that she, you know, really was thankful for the help all of you gave. Jessica, I mean, if, if um, you know, someone wanted to find out more about it, is there a central sort of point about free pantries or do you just learn through the network? Is there any information website um, package of information that people can go to? Uh, so I was listening to Laura's, the response before her last response about um, people finding out about these projects, which I believe was a question that you asked me and I did not answer. I actually just created some content for uh, the website that I operate, littlefreepantry.org, about um, how will people find out about this project. And I believe the first question is, if you do nothing, people will find out about it. You may have to wait a little longer, but people will find it. I think the little boxes have uh, been, uh, in, in most places at this point, kind of the concept of the little free sharing space has been primed enough by the little free library that people just kind of, um, once they see it, they'll know what to do with it. There are a few other resources there. Um, I uh, recommend that folks create some sort of a dedicated social media pres uh, presence like Laura did. It's been really helpful for me and I know other stewards, but also that is not necessary. So if social media is not a language that you uh, uh, speak and if you have no desire to learn it is absolutely not necessary. I mean, you, you can put the box out there and people will find it. Uh, again, I um, create regular content related to uh, kind of the, um, I guess the stewardship impact, all of those kinds of things of the mini pantry movement and I include all of that on my webpage, uh, littlefreepantry.org. I am not the only person who has a web presence related to the mini pantry uh, concept. There are lots of other stewards. If you uh, Google Little Free Pantry, I may be one of the first that comes up. Um, but again, there are others. There's a large network out of uh, Seattle. Uh, their uh, page, I believe, is the Little Free Pantry, uh, pantries.org. Um, she, she does a great job with that uh, website, and I know of multiple others. So um, a Google search should get you there. Uh, and 
actually on um, one of the things that I was um, doing before I got on this call, I had maintained a, a map of uh, little free pantries. Um, and so if you just wanna uh, take a look at uh, really the movement as it's concentrated in the United States and growing in other countries, uh, that's a good place to go. Really the purpose of the map is not to show how much the movement has grown, but people use that resource every day to connect with pantries where they live. So uh, if, if anyone um, who is, is, is viewing uh, this webinar happens to decide to um, take the next step and steward a little free pantry, I invite, uh, I invite you to come onto the website uh, find the map and then all you do is click add pantry and then you can add your own project there and it'll be added alongside um, thousands of others at this point and people in need will find your project through that map. So there there are a number of resources available. A Google should get you there. Okay. All right. And it's, it's really interesting that you're doing social mapping. I mean, that's a, a great thing to do. Well, we've sort of come to the end of our 30 minutes. So I'll ask you each just to say a sentence. If somebody wanted to start a, a, a little free pantry, Maria, what, what sort of encouragement would you give them? I refer the phrase from Anne Frank. She said, no one has ever become poor by giving. That's my first initial thought. Yes, we need to give, but how? That's really main point. So Little Free Pantry, when you talk about it, people don't understand. But when you show them the box, the pantry, and they got really clicked quite easily. So don't be afraid just to do so. And as Jessica said, and Lara got the website as well, the website give you really first step by step what to do. Just and, attach with us. And Laura, what briefly would you give as your word of advice? My word of advice, it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. I always say to people without, without the kindness of others, I'm just a woman with an empty cupboard. Okay, and Jessica, all the way across there from the States in the middle of the day, what advice would you give? I think that it's good to think about the kind of community you want to live in and to start taking steps to create the types of places we want to live in. Uh, trusting, compassionate, generous action is the only thing that is going to get us to that kind of community. And if you're gonna fail in the pursuit of that kind of a community, it's worth it. Okay, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good message. I mean, you know, often failure leads to success anyhow. You should never be afraid to fail. Um, and I think that's important. And yeah, thank you all for taking part today. I think people will find it very interesting. We've had a lot of interest in it. So I suspect here locally, you know, there will be a lot more interest as a result of this um, webinar today. So thank you all for giving up your time, telling us about your experience and telling us about something that's very exciting. And in a time of crisis like COVID, poverty, climate change, these things are gonna be increasingly important. So thank you all.
and uh, we'll end this interview now.